Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Full Life. And today's discussion is, I think, something that everyone's on everyone's mind is, you know, how do we become authentic Christian disciples when we don't even know what we're looking for maybe in the media landscape today? It's kind of hard to discern. And I think it's time to have a discussion about it right here on the show. So don't go away. We'll talk about that, devastation in Iowa, and more here on The Full Life. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to The Full Life. We're going to try something new today. We're going to try and go a little bit more live feeling. So here we go. We can do it, guys. Um, it's a good challenge for us. We're going to do it. but we're And we're also going to talk about some important stuff. And that is not new for us. We've been having some great conversations. But I think the first thing we should do, as we do in our communities uh, of faith across the country, is really have some time of fellowship, some times of thankfulness and gratefulness, and and just sharing. Uh, so I'll I'll share this week. Last week, as I texted my co-host, I got to meet one of our guests finally in person. I got to meet our our father Frankie. We had some dinner. It was the first quarantine breaking dinner, and. He is just as he is on screen, just as he is on TikTok. That must have been fun. Real life. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm so grateful that I got to meet him. And I would never have met him on if I wasn't doing this show. So there's a story for you. I'm so grateful for that this week. Anyone else? What happened this week, guys? How are we doing? Hey, well, speaking of. Yeah, go ahead, Carolyn. Go ahead, you go. Carolyn. Well, I was just going to say I had a great week in my mana moments because I know we like talking. I call them my my uh, but God moments, your mana moments. But my daughter, uh, you know, we decided we were going to switch schools. She's moving into sixth grade. It's middle school. It's it's all that transition. I was, and I was just praying. And last year I was like wanting to fret. My husband said, why are you fretting? God always takes care of it. Mm. And um, man, this just what has happened this year. We just begin to pray and ask the Lord, where are we going? Where is she supposed to be at? And God just brought us the right school. We Today was the first day. She came home so excited, said she just met the sweetest people, said everyone there was just so kind. And when a middle school co girl comes home and says, everyone was just so nice, yeah. that's your first miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so and then same thing with my other daughter went and tried a new place she was a little hesitant but we're like just go try it same thing she's like mom everybody was just so great i loved it so you know my man of moments is just you know god cares we want to always pray about the big things but god cares about the small things and he cares about our children and so mm -hmm. i just wanted to share that day to encourage i know a lot of us are struggling with our kids but god god works he does jenny mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you said about getting together and, you know, fellowship, you know, time right now with each other. And I, I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity, you know, in California, we're really not, we're still not able to meet as churches. So um, <clears throat> we opened up our home last night and had some people over from the church. We we couldn't have too many because, you know, we're, we're trying to really be honorable and, <clears throat> excuse me, and following the restrictions and protecting people as well, um, but still wanting to gather. So we had a big TV set up and we had people that zoomed in and we had all their faces on the uh, the big TV from Zoom. And then we had people that were here. We all sat outside, we were socially distanced, um, but it was really incredible. And just seeing everyone get to 
be around each other again uh, for the first time mm -hmm. in months. Uh, several people wrote afterwards, thank you so much. That meant so much. It was just such a refreshing. There's something about us gathering together. It's why the word tells us not to forsake the gathering together uh, you know, of the, of the saints. It's not just about going to church. It's gathering together, being together. And, you know, our church is called King of Kings Community. So having that community together um, while socially distancing, while being careful and doing things correctly, um, it was we, we served food and we even wore our gloves. And, you know, I made sure we served everybody. But it was wonderful to just have that fellowship time. It was a real blessing to all. It always feels so good to be back together, doesn't it, Jenny? It really does. Yeah. Even this weekly thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess I'm in now. Uh, my week, everything blurs. So I'm trying to think <laughs> of what this week was. Um, oh, I think probably the the coolest new thing was um, my in-laws, who are maybe the best in-laws of all time, not just in the world, but in the history of man and womankind, wow. um, decided to take our girls for a couple of days. So that was awesome. So my wife and I decided this year... Um, one of our birthday presents to each other. I'm not going to say who, whose idea it was for a birthday present, but it was probably mine since it was so awesome, you know, was to once a week, we were just going to go on a date, you know, because we're both so busy and there's always stuff going on. So we were doing it really well. Like we were doing like Tuesday nights, everything was great. And then COVID happened. Um, and then for us, for some people, COVID slowed them down. Both our jobs, whether me at the church or her at schools, um, got more busy. So I think this was like maybe our first time out to dinner by ourselves. So it was like a different just vibe. Like we were just like, we felt like we were like kids again, right? Like we we're dating and it was just, right. but it was refreshing uh, in many ways because it just made us realize that like, oh my gosh, it's probably been like six months, maybe five, yeah. somewhere like that, where we just had a meal with just us two. Um, so yeah, so it was a little, little moment, but just the blessing of having that time was great. Don't you realize though how much we took for granted that quiet oh, yeah. time just together? Yeah, uh, and even and even in light of the meeting together, we started meeting at a park, social distance, mask, and everything. And I was just going through the motions like we got to get this done, got to get everything planned, all the restrictions. Right. And then that first morning, I looked up at the crowd and I was almost crying. So I was just like, "Oh my gosh, we're together, we're together!" And it just it snuck up on me. Like I was yeah. going up for my like drill team announcements. You know, like these are the ten commandments you will follow. Or you go home, you know, like that's, that was the mindset I was in. And so as I got up there, it was just like mush because I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so good. And I think, I mean, I know for me, I won't speak for everyone, but I take for granted just like every week we get to be together multiple times in most of our communities. Yeah. You know, multiple times you get to be with your people in different settings and not having that was just, yeah, to be back together was great too. Well, I'm thankful for the community that we have here as well. And so thank you for that time of catching up this week. I appreciate that because we're still a little, still hunkered down a little bit more in California. So you guys are my escape. Oh. Um, <laughs> but really, truly, I'm very grateful for you. But I did want to have today, uh, I think, a discussion that sort of points to the opposite of that. You know, we, I think on, on this show, we have been, a wonderful community. And I think the whole point of this show, when I was originally kind of coming up with the idea, was to really bring Christians together from different parts of our Christian faith, different, you know, perspectives, denominations, genders, you know, and, and talk about, you know, the, the essence of our faith and coming together as the body of Christ. Because I have to be honest, and I don't think, I, I can't be the only one out there. 
if I look on social media or if I look in any media, really, I wouldn't know what Christianity was, I have to say, because it seems like, you know, any, you know, maybe it's just different interpretations of scripture. Maybe it's false teaching. But if I was a new believer trying to figure out what Christianity was, I don't know if I would know what it was. And that's like, that's kind of disheartening to me. Like, because I was like, well, maybe, maybe I don't know what we're doing here, you know, on, on the show. Like, like, is there a truth we can get to? Like, I don't know. Like, and, and, and it's like, gosh, so I really have been having an existential moment and I need your help guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll go to Hank first on this one. Oh man. Um, well, I think part of it is, so one of the things that's really helped me in this time has been trying to find not just normalcy, but like try to stay away from extremes. Right. So is it just now in 2020 that we are confused about what Christianity is on online? No. Um, is it just now in 2020 that we disagree on stuff? No. I just think more of us are at home, right? So I think for me, part of it is what has Christianity always been about? Jesus, relationships, um, scripture. Um, I think that's some of the, the thing that kind of um, I'm trying to stay grounded in, right? Like I think if we just focus on all the things that are not and all the things that are bad and evil, that's very paralyzing. I mean, I think there's been some pluses. I mean, there are missionaries who are usually isolated from home who now get to worship with their quote unquote local congregation or their sending congregation. Um, there's people who are searching, like you uh, maybe alluded to Joseph, who may be confused, but the fact that they're searching and they have options, I think that's a good thing too. So yeah, I think for me is how do we find the normal and how do we find the good? Um, I think scripture is very clear about us never um, giving up, about us never um, growing weary of doing good, and about us persevering. So I think that, like, how do we not speak into just the negativity that paralyzes, and where is the good? And I think that's kind of the hard work of the now is to, where's the nugget? Where's the positivity? Where where do I see Christianity? And I think for all of us, instead of saying where we don't see it, I think maybe we just go extra on where we do see it and share that, you know, and hope that catches people. Jenny? Uh, you know, I think part of the problem, Joseph, that you're seeing and others are seeing right now is I believe Christians have um, attached too much of politics to their faith. And it's not to say that we can't have an opinion. It's not to say we can't rise up when we see things that are evil and unjust. Um, you know, I was preaching yesterday about, you know, the information we receive, not knowing what to believe. You know, we're, we're, we're torn about knowing what to believe right now. There's so much in this age of information. There's so, so much. Right. And uh, I was teaching out of Luke chapter nine during the trans, uh, transfiguration where, um, you know, Moses and Elijah show up and, and, and Peter says, it's good that, you know, you were, that, that, that we're here because let's build a tabernacle, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah and not knowing what he said. And that, uh, the you know, the voice of God comes from heaven and says, this is my beloved son, hear him. And of course, he was saying that because Peter was aligning Jesus with, you know, equaling him to the law and the prophets. And we know that he's above the law and the prophets. Uh, but I say all that to say, hearing him has got to be the penultimate of our understanding. It has to be the core and the crux of our faith. And when we, anything we believe, anything we want to uh, you know, promote anything we want to get behind, even if it is political, everything has to run by the word of God. 
And it can't just be our cultural understanding currently of the word based on what we want it to mean. It's got to be his voice. And I think that's, again, the problem. I don't know if we're portraying his voice on subjects. I was just reading a post that I wrote a few years ago where I heard people praying uh, online. We're praying that the that statues don't get torn down. And I'm like, guys, there's people dying. And I forgot what country it was, Barcelona. And I don't see anybody posting that they're praying for those people, but they're posting that they're praying statues don't get turned down, taken down. That's not exactly in alignment with God's word. And so I think that's where we have maybe perhaps Joseph gotten off is that we're putting politics um, uh, too much or peppering it too much into our faith. And of course, politics were all over the board. And so that's maybe where we're, we're confused a bit. That's just my two cents on that. Carolyn? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I've been feeling the same feeling. And, and I think we've talked about it before that there's been times that I've just, when people are going at it on Facebook, you know, your flesh rises up and you're like, man, I want to give my two cents worth. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, shut up. You need to be quiet. Not because God doesn't want us to speak out. He wants me to check my spirit. Because I think we're living in a time where everybody is so busy trying to battle their thoughts. And I think what Jenny was just saying right there really hits me hard. It's just that we, in this time, we, we really need to be talking about Jesus. And we need to be bringing it back. Because you say, I'm looking for truth. There is no truth outside of God's word. And it's not comfortable to people. You know, that's the biggest thing that bothers me right now is I'm watching the narrative begin to change God's truth. I mean, there is no greater love message than for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's my redemption. I, I mean, we are the only religion just think about this in the world, really, that we can sin and we're not put to death here on earth for it because of what Christ did for us. And so that the narrative can become that we are a hate message. It just as a Christ follower, it breaks my heart. But I also know that, you know, I come back to Second Timothy and if you're OK, if I could just read it, because mm -hmm. this is what I'm testing my own self to right now. It says Second Timothy 3, 2, it says for people will love only themselves and their money. It says, uh, let me find it. Hang on. I got to get a different. Um, they will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and, and ungrateful. And then it says this, they will consider nothing sacred. And I think that is the thing that bothers me right now is I feel like especially as a Christ follower, my, I'm burdened. I don't know about you all. I'm feeling the heaviness of everything because I'm seeing them not keep anything sacred anymore. Of, It's like you're saying, Jenny, it's one thing that it's a statue, but it's another thing when they're beginning, people are attacking the beliefs. It's the belief systems. It's, and, and I just got to share just a little bit more because what, what hits me so hard is that, you know, we're talking about people in the last days. I call it that we're getting ABC um, messages instead of really getting on our faces and seeking God out with our own salvation and trembling. We're getting already been chewed messages and we think that's supposed to feed our spirit. Well, what we're doing is we're taking what everybody else considers as truth instead of what the Holy Word says is truth. And I feel like right now what God's saying to me is, Carolyn, you've got to shut it all out and get into my word. 
And my word will give you what is truth, how you're supposed to handle things, mm -hmm. how you're supposed to handle unforgiveness, how you're supposed to handle grace. That That is our truth. And um, I don't know about you, but it's it's got me feeling a lot of heaviness. I think we've talked about yeah. that before. Yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely got me feeling that heaviness. And that's why I, I brought it up. And I think there's a couple of points there that we said. I, I You know, look, I, I think you do have to be really careful about what you're posting and making sure that it's, you know, ordained with the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, we've talked about that many times. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, why I really brought it up, and I agree with you, Jenny, as well, that the, that the political spectrum, and I, and I view that as separate from our faith, and I, and, I, and I really would encourage people to view that as separate. Yes, we will have alignment in terms of, you know, what different groups per, say that they believe, but you do have to sort of separate yourself, I think, and go, okay, this is my faith. And where does my faith fall on this? You know, otherwise I think you can get swept up. And I think I've seen Christians be on both sides, you know, and, and so I'm, that's why I was like, gosh, <laughs> if I was going to go, like, what, how would I, how would I even figure that out? Yeah. I think a lot of us you know, are falling for a counterfeit faith because we're elevating cultural narratives above the word of God. And that's where I think, you know, um, and I don't want to say counterfeit faith lightly. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say people aren't Christian, but again, we're talking about identifying right. it, and we're elevating cultural narratives and putting them into the word. And we're, we're trying to, we're, I mean, I've heard people stand and fight for scriptures that are, they think they're in the Bible and they're actually not in the Bible. Um, I can't, of course, think of an example right now, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, but even like the scripture, you know, or when people twist the whole, um, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself and you hear people saying, well, you know, you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. So that scripture is really about loving yourself. I hear it from pulpits. That's baloney. It's absolute baloney. It is twisting a cultural narrative to, to uh, it's twisting the word of God to fit a cultural narrative. You, you, it's not about loving yourself first. That's not what Jesus said. If that's what he meant, he would have said it. He would have said, you need to love yourself and then love your neighbor. He's saying, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning you love your neighbor first. That's why you're reading that people, you know, in the end times are going to be lovers of themselves. That was never shined on with a good light. Yet we promoted self-care, self-love, self, -care, self, -love, self that, that's promoted as some sort of Christian philosophy now. But the Bible actually condemns right. it by saying people will be lovers of themselves. He said, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning you love your neighbor. There's something about when you love your neighbor, I'm telling you what, it helps you to love yourself. That's right. right. It truly, but if you're just, oh, I got I to gotta focus on me. I got to love me. I got to do me. I got to, I got to, and then I'll have time for my neighbor. You will never have time for your neighbor because there is never enough love for yourself. It'll just constantly be me, 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 hungry. And so that's the way we kind of twist things. And so we get off of what the truth really is, the veritas that Pilate was, of course, seeking from Jesus. And that's, of course, at the very basic level, kind of what I wanted to, you know, why I wanted to bring it up was because, you know, look, if if I'm really and I I'm, you know, if I wanted to seek truth as a, as a Christian and I am seeking truth as a Christian, you know, you know, I don't want to, you know, and I know we were to we talk about the end times and some will be deceived and all this. And it's like, gosh, well, I, I don't want to be deceived. You know, what do I, you know, which lane do I pick is where we're at now. And I think we've all hit on it is that the, the fact of the matter is you have to be rooted first and foremost, wholeheartedly in the word before you make any other decision that is involving any other, you know, 
part of your life that makes up human existence. We can't avoid them, you know, and I think that's also a danger we have as Christians is, well, we're, well, we're, we're also Christian, but then we don't want to go out into the world, but we have to be, we're, we're in the world, just not of it, but you have to be in it. You can't not be in it. <laughs> that's what it said too. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, sort of what I've been on my heart. I'll give anyone, anyone have any final thoughts? Because I know we're going to go to our next topic of the day, but I wanted to give the floor. Just say 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, rightly yeah. dividing the word of truth. I mean that, you know, we, we just got to get back to studying, not just believing what we hear, because even leaders can be wrong. Yes. And, you know, I was just, again, in my message yesterday, the, the Pharisees said, study, to st st Nicodemus, study, has any prophet ever come from Galilee? And they were like, oh, okay. And yet Isaiah 9, verse 1 and 2 says that a light is going to rise out of Galilee. So we have to study ourselves. We yes. have to study ourselves to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important for us to do that. Study the word, study ourselves, be aware of ourselves. Uh, so with all of that said, we did want to bring light to another topic today. Something that surprisingly has not had a lot of media coverage. Uh, last Monday, August 10th. Um, a, a derecho, which I had to even look up what that was, but it's a land hurricane, um, really hit the Midwest, most specifically Iowa in the Cedar Rapids area. Uh, and those, that's like, like I said, it's a land hurricane. It was a category three winds. Uh, so, it, and it really did some pretty devastating, had some devastating effects in the area. And to that effect, to that effect, I wanted to bring in the man who's usually behind the scenes, but he is from the Cedar Rapids, Iowa area. So I want to welcome Steve to our panel today. He's behind. Welcome, Steve. Hello. Hello. Hi. There he is. Hi, everyone. Hi, How are you? So, Steve, we felt like it was really important to shine a light on, you know, what was going on there so people could help. So first, let's talk about, you know, what happened there. And I know you were talking with your friend earlier and we'll have that coverage as well. So. Right, right. Uh, from my side of things, uh, what ended up happening was out of nowhere, I see that there was this huge storm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I hear about it on Facebook. And, you know, I was prone to storms. We've had a few big floods, you know, in the past. But for the first time, I'm beginning to scroll through different people's feeds of, of you know, friends and family that I know back in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And there's just destruction everywhere. Usually it's like, oh, a tree fell down on a house. No, trees are down all over the city. Uh, you've got cars that are completely wrecked by trees. You've got homes that have no roofs. It's, it's an absolutely decimated area. In fact, that was the word that my, uh, my aunt used uh, when she talked to my sister about it. And the whole city is just, just down, just destroyed. And so... For the past week, it's been hard trying to get a hold of people because according to Alliant Energy in the area, 97% of the city was without power. Now, all this on top of a pandemic. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I saw this Monday night, woke up Tuesday thinking, okay, this is going to be national news. No, nothing. In fact, I have a hard time even finding local news in the area because, you know, the Cedar Rapids Gazette, KCRG, all, all the stations were down. Yeah, they were. And so rolls into Wednesday, rolls into Thursday, rolls into Friday. Things don't start to really hit a national level till about Saturday, really. And all this time. Which is when I reached out to you, I said, oh, I heard about this thing. 
Correct. And actually, uh, I found my friend from from high school and uh, Catholic grade school, uh, Katie Mills Giorgio. And uh, I was able to interview her thanks to you. And uh, this is what she had to say about the situation. Katie, so good to see you. I wish it was under different circumstances. I know, right? That's kind of how everybody feels coming together and helping each other right now. So yeah. First off, how's how's your whole family? How's everyone doing? You know, um, we're hanging in there. Uh, we feel pretty good. We have power back here at our house, and that's um, kind of a game changer for the for the process. Um, mm-hmm. Most of my family doesn't have power yet, and our family business doesn't have power yet. Um, so that's that's a that's a big challenge. Um, and there's a lot of the city that is is still without power. So and kind of in it for long. How I mean, this is day eight. So yeah. Yeah. Now we've seen a lot of different pictures finally and videos coming through uh, on the internet. Uh, different friends and family also been posting on Facebook. Um, what was what was your experience of what happened? Is that something you'd be willing to to chat about? Oh sure. Yeah. So we ha- I have my, I had my nephews. Um, we were watching them. They're little um, toddler and infant, and then my kids are um, teens. And um, we had kind of finished lunch and it was almost nap time and the sirens went off, which, you know, in Iowa, we're used to hearing the sirens and um, you did sirens, you got some green clouds going on and you're outside looking. We couldn't see. It did not look bad. So I heard the sirens and I thought, you know what, we'll go downstairs. We'll get in a safe spot. Um, And then it started and it was. I, I, it's, I mean, it's still undescribable and I watched it happen. Um, I was taking video, um, kind of it, safe in a safe position. We have a split level home, so we don't technically have a basement to go to, but we were tucked in a safe corner, but I, I kind of went near the windows to kind of see as it was, the winds were initially picking up and it was raining sideways, upways. I mean, it was not rain. It was like a wall of white. Um, and then the wind just started blowing and the, we have a line of pine trees behind our house and it snapped them all at once, like little twigs. Um, it blew, we have a pergola, we have an above ground pool. It just tore that off, mangled it. Um, and it was so loud and scary and it, it went on for 40 minutes and it was, I've never been in a storm where I just kept wishing for it to stop. I was like, when is it going to stop blowing? It went Um, on for 45 minutes. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, 45 minutes of straight line, 100 mile an hour winds. So it's been interesting. I've been seeing people talk about this as um, they keep, we keep referring to it as an inland hurricane. And I had somebody, I saw another friend that um, grew up in Florida said, this is, you can't equate it to a hurricane because when a hurricane happens, the winds change directions and they move around and it, it calms down at some point. This was straight mainline winds for 45 minutes um, and they were intense and it just kept blowing. I was, I thought multiple times that our roof was gonna come off. People, other people's roofs did come off. Um, it, it was just insane. And we didn't even know the full devastation. You know, we could only see out the one little section of our yard. So we knew kind of what was happening there. Um, and I, you know, I felt like I just wanted to reach out and stop the trees from being just blown to pieces. At one point, something flew through the, through the air and my son goes, mom, what was that? I, said, I don't even know. I mean, it was, yeah. it was crazy. It was the craziest thing. And everyone that you talk to, I mean, a lot of Iowans have been through storms, but we will say right. this is I was actually just going to say, uh, like there was the flood of 93 and then there was 08, which uh, actually I think affected, what was it? Like 14 miles, especially the downtown area. But this affected all 72 odd square miles of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It's just 
gone. It's and like, I can't, I can't even, I can't even fathom what that's like, you know, being at a distance. And yeah. a part of me is yeah. wondering, you know, there was a lot of time before news trickled out to here and to yeah. like, you know, the national news and everything like that. And yeah. so I was wondering, like, you know, how, how did residents of Cedar Rapids, you know, sustain themselves and each other in the midst you know, of, we, you know, waiting we for help to come? Yeah, mm -hmm. we were talking about how interesting it is, like the, the lack of coverage. And there's so many aspects that went into that. But part of the problem with this storm is that, you know, when a hurricane is coming, we know about that days in advance, right? People plan for it and, the, and this, all these major stations are getting ready to cover what's going to happen when it does make landfall. I mean, we, Steve, it was 10 minutes before those sirens went off and the winds were at 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was crazy. And really what was interesting, I think everybody was just kind of in this shock after it happened. Um, you know, it took my sister an hour and a half to get across town to come get her boys. Um, I mean, there was every streetlight was was out. It was, you know, jammed up traffic. There were you couldn't go directions. There were down power lines. There were. So the initial um, aftermath was just pure shock. And we just pick up and start cleaning up. I mean, we were, we were dragging stuff to the curb. People, people were helping. I gave um, three ladies a ride that were trapped. Um, we live near uh, a small um, historic farm museum mm -hmm. and they were trapped by down power lines. And so they said, if we walk to the top of the hill, can you get us a ride somewhere? So instantly everyone was helping where they could. And that's just the Iowan way. I think what's right. interesting now is we want to remind people that we will work hard and we are working hard and we are picking up the pieces, but we can't do this by ourselves. This is right. utter devastation to every property in the city. And in, you know, Marion is right next door and all of these small surrounding towns. This storm was massive. I mean, it cut a swath you know, across several states. Now, how, how is CR doing currently? You know, um, I, 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 it, it's so interesting. Um, my neighborhood is really getting cleaned up. Um, we had um, city contractors out here working, um, picking up the debris that has already gone to the street. We've loaded it up multiple times now at this point. Um, there are other parts of town that are still very hard to navigate, like I said, that don't have power. Um, so it's this its this a dichotomy of people that are still struggling and getting um, power and you know people that have it back and are kind of picking up the pieces where they are. I know that people like myself, like we have power back, so I feel like I can be more useful to others. You know, we've got plenty to clean up in our yard, but I'm, you know, helping mobilize volunteers and getting supplies out to people, helping other friends that, you know, don't yet have um, you know, a, a very close classmate of ours just had to have a tree pulled off her roof yesterday. So, you know, was over there helping her pack up her house. So the people that are getting their power back are out helping the people um, that don't yet have that and, you know, right. doing, I did the laundry for my sister and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of people helping people. Um, but there's a, this is going to be, this is going to be a long haul to, to get this all cleaned up. Right. Right. And I mean, it, it blew my mind how hard it was in the beginning of everything to try to get a hold of family. Like people started to trickle in videos and texts here and there. But I mean, on a, on Tuesday, texting the family and being like, hey, how's everyone doing? And then met with silence for a while. It was it was yeah. daunting. And even now we do have some family uh, who does have who do have power. But then there's some of our family that's like, no, we're not seeing power till next week. So. It's yeah. really fascinating because even the the communication, I'm I'm getting some information from my sister who's in Boston who talks to certain family, and then my mom, 
And then on, she's in Philadelphia. And then on top of that, like some people come to me in Cedar Rapids for other people's information. It's just, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that's, has been a really big challenge to all of this. And you take that for granted, right? We, we think here we are in 2020 and you really couldn't, I mean, cell towers were down, you know, people didn't have power. You could not get through to people. I had very spotty coverage. So every once in a while, I'd, you know, a stream of like 15 texts would come through late at night. Um, I remember, I think it must've been Wednesday. So two days post storm, I got a, an, a text very early 5 30 in the morning from one of my aunts that said, Hey, one of the gas stations had gas and there was no line. Cause that was another challenge. We were running out of gas and we couldn't, we couldn't fuel up and people were trying to get generators and all this craziness. And, um, I texted her back and I was like, is this a real time text? Did you just send this, you know, cause I didn't want to drive over there if there wasn't, um, really. <laughs> so that, that really is, um, a huge challenge. I think a lot of people have gotten coverage back, but I know like, especially if you, if your power is out, keeping your devices powered up, um, you know, getting the coverage you need to be able to check on people, um, and, and get people mobilized to volunteer and help and, and getting in, in touch with tree removal and electricians and roofers and, you know, all of these people that we need to, to help us. This is going to take a long time and Iowans do need help. I mean, I, I hear Iowa strong and we we're known to roll up our sleeves and do what needs to be done. But this is definitely going to take more than, than just the city because the whole city is hurting. Um, I did hear that apparently Trump approved uh, the governor's uh, uh what is it? $4 billion emergency funding for the city. So that's good. National Guard there. Uh, what else, what else, what can our viewers do actually to, to help or to aid or to send either donations or resources to Cedar Rapids? Yeah. So that's, that just means the world um, that people are willing and, and asking to do that. Um, we've had some really strong local community organizations pull together um, to get people what they need. Um, I've been trying to vet as many of those sources. We have um, the Greater Cedar Rapids Community Foundation here in town um, is, is a great resource, works with a ton of nonprofits and, and, and businesses um, to get funding to um, different entities throughout the community. So I know they've started as a disaster relief fund. Um, Another organization um, would be our United Way. So it's United Way of East Central Iowa. Um, they have mobilized a huge volunteer effort. They're feeding people all week long, um, partnering with the city. Um, I know they have a disaster relief fund set up as well. Um, and then there are other individual organizations um, that are really kind of mobilizing, getting people out. There's an organization called Feed Iowa First. Um, Another organization called they're they're feeding people. They they have vegetable farms, so they're out getting food to people. I mean, there are complex, uh, apartment complexes um, where the roofs have been blown. I mean, people are homeless. People are sleeping in tents. Um, so we're making sure that we're getting pe those people where they need to go, but getting them fed. Um, other organizations like the Indian Creek Nature Center, um, which part of a group a called HACAP, is that right? Hawkeye Area Community uh, Action yeah, Program as well. Yeah. ACAP is another great um, food resource. Um, I think what will be interesting, it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of the long-term effect because, you know, we're also in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> and people are off work. So like the employment challenges and so many of the, you know, your retail and your restaurants, I mean, everything, all the businesses were shut down. Um, and people are without power and without homes and can't get back on that job search. So as I drive around town, I'm just weeping. I'm in tears because it every route that you drive, every familiar route that you drive is um, there's not a, a street that's untouched by this. I got to tell you, I, I wept a little myself when I was reading up about Alliant Energy saying that 97 percent of the city had no power. 
I was reading this information to my mom in Philly and I just, I, I couldn't, I got choked up just trying to yeah. deal with that and, idea. We were, we thought it was interesting the first couple of nights. We were like, wow, we can see a lot of stars, but it's because literally the whole city was dark. Now you and I, we went to Catholic school together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, and I remember, you know, especially seeing your, your mom at church quite a bit and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm, Yep. I just got to ask, like, I mean, how's how's your faith life doing right now? How you know, how has the situation affected yeah, you? Um, I think that's a really um, important element of this here. I will tell you one funny little thing. My mom actually works um, in, she does cooks meals in the convent with the Sisters of Mercy here in town. Um, and so she was with them when the storm happened and when it hit and they were, you know, hunkered down in the basement praying the rosary. And they were actually, the convent got its power back before a lot of, and we were like, it was that, that rosary, they prayed the power back. No um, kidding. So we kind of chuckled about that, but you know, it's, I think that is what, um, I think my faith is what helps me kind of keep this keeps, you know, this is exhausting work and it's hard and it's heartbreaking, but we have to keep sharing and reaching out and caring for each other. And truly, I mean, the spirit of seeing people help, I, I've, the, the goodness of humanity is on full display here, um, all around the town. I mean, you could ask anyone and they can tell you a story of a stranger helping them. I've been really, um, a couple of my most emotional moments driving around town is um, seeing, you know, my my personal parish had tree damage and, you know, people came together and clean, cleaned that all up. There are several churches that, that I mean, are just devastated. The one church had the whole side of it blown. I mean, their their building is just devastated. Um, so it was hard to see that and know that, a, that someone's, you know, place of faith where they go to connect with God um, was impacted in that way. But I also, um, just driving around yesterday, saw a couple of um, parishes celebrating a, a mass outside or just coming together for a prayer service. So I just think that's, that's what I lean back on um, and know that, you know, that's what kind of gives me strength to move through. And truly our, um, our alma mater, I mean, they galvanize volunteers like nobody's business. I think that's, you know, it's that call to service. Yeah. Um, and you don't, don't bat an eye when you're asked and people keep messaging and saying, okay, what do you need now? Who needs help? You know, it just, it's that faith community is so strongly connected. Um, it's been pretty incredible. Well, I'm glad to see that you're doing well, that your family's well, and that you're healthy enough and able enough to help others there that are in need. Obviously, our prayers are with you, and hopefully we'll have more resources coming your way when we share the list of, of you know, different groups that are actually helping out the area. Is there anything else that uh, you want to share or, or say particularly to the rest of the people of Cedar Rapids? Oh, gosh. I, yeah. I mean... Cedar Rapids, this community has been through a lot and this community is amazing and um, it's forever going to be changed. Um, but the spirit of this town and and the things that that come from our challenges um, make us grow in ways that that are unexpected. So um, we're here together. I, I shared something today that that said, you know, let us let us see that our cry for help is not something bad, but it's a way for us to band together in strength. Um, and I just think what that's what this is all about. We're we're going to help each other, um, pick up the pieces, and and take the ne next step forward. Beautiful. So, like I said in the interview, uh, we're going to have all the resources here for all of our viewers and friends of a full life. Uh, Cedar Rapids needs your help, and anything that you can give, donate. If you're nearby, just you know, like I said in the interview, rolling up your sleeves and volunteering. Uh, they are a can-do spirit group of people. I mean, I come from them. Uh, but at the same time, 
they need a lot of help because it is the entire city that was destroyed. And these are the moments where I just, I, I personally feel very strongly about, you know, helping in the, when we have disasters, because those things can hit all, any of us at any time, you know, that that's the trigger. Certainly for me that we do not, we do not show any partiality to, cause I know, you know, Connecticut was at, without power last week as well. Certainly our hearts go out to everyone, but we did want to shine light on this story that wasn't get as, getting as much coverage so that those who are able to and, or could help. And, and Steve, as Steve said, we will put those resources up so you can partner with those people and make try and help Iowa rebuild during this storm, after this storm, excuse me. As a fellow Cedaropidian, I, I can't thank you and the community enough for allowing me this opportunity to reach out and do something. <clears throat> We're happy that we could do something. For my hometown, because it's it's hard to see things from afar and not be able to know what I can do. So this this gives me, this warms my heart knowing that I can do something. So thank you. Well, we talked about Christian love earlier, and I think this is the perfect way to, to demonstrate uh, our true Christian love in action. So we thank you for joining us again today on The Full Life. We love having these conversations, and more importantly, we love impacting people's lives with the love that we can show them. So if you can, help the people of Iowa and continue to really discern and stay in your word, as we said earlier in our discussion. We'll see you next time. We look forward to sharing more with you on The Full Life. For more information on helping Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and the surrounding area, please visit any one of these resources. And thank you for your generosity.